everyone and thank you for joining us here on the Recruitment Roundup podcast which is brought to you by BMS Performance. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, BMS Performance is a specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy. For the last 30 years, we've been helping businesses across the UK recruit for vacancies at every level. I'm your host, Mike Leather, and every week I'll be joined by a new guest where we'll get stuck into the latest trends in regards to recruitment. We'll talk about insights, we share ideas, we share experiences, and ultimately we look to provide value to fundamentally help you, you whether or not you're a hiring manager, a business leader, or part of an internal talent team to recruit smarter, faster, and more effectively. I'm delighted to be joined today by the head honcho, Phil Mellowspacia. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Great, great to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about how to master skills-based recruitment to expand your talent pool. It's a really meaty subject. Looking forward to getting stuck into it. Um, but by way of introductions, Phil, as, as we always do now, why don't you start by talking uh, a little bit about yourself, what you do at BMS, and uh, and yeah, introduce the audience to you. Sure. Um, yeah, as you said, my name's Phil. I've worked at BMS uh, for just coming up to 20 years now. So lots of experience in recruitment. I've worked across different teams, whether that's field sales recruitment, office-based sales recruitment, marketing recruitment, grad recruitment, so lots of variety there. Um, And clearly now my job is to encompass everything that we do, including engineering recruitment as well and, and, you know, all our offerings. Yeah, superb. Great. So skills-based recruitment, I think some of the audience will be aware of what that is. Other people might be thinking, what is it? It's certainly a growing theme, as we're going to discuss today in the podcast. There's loads of benefits to it. Um, but what does that mean to you, Phil, skills-based recruitment? In a nutshell, it's putting to one side somebody's education and the facts of who did they work for and what job did they do and looking at them as an individual and looking at their broad skills and how they can be piece together to do a job for somebody. Yeah. So, you know, ev- everyone has to take all of it into account, but it's a, a different way of of looking to try and find the person that you you really want. Yeah. And that that's the key, isn't it? Like it's getting the right person. If I think about um you know my time in recruitment, I would say 90% of the um follow-up calls that I have with hiring managers and they're saying to me such and such isn't right very rarely does it come down to experience it's generally about you know the soft skills or how they come across it generally comes down to skills and I was um I was I was reading online that um employers now I say well 79% of them are saying that it's just as important to consider skills as it is experience if not more um at the moment and it feels like it's um a theme that's growing and growing and growing i I think it is it's definitely a trend um it's as with a lot of uh, these big things it's it's been a a movement in the states for quite a long time now and there's been a big drive over there with some of the big corporates and that's been pushing down through the smaller size companies and also it's been making its way over here for you know the last few years um I went to a, a LinkedIn forward event, which was 
I guess looking at where recruitment is going for lots of recruitment leaders, there was 300, you know, pe- directors of recruitment businesses in the room, yeah. and it was the main topic. Was it? Yeah. It's so it's it, it's definitely the, you know, the direction of the way in which things are going. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some of the reasons to why it's becoming more popular shortly, um, but. You'll have companies that already recruit um, based on you know, soft skills, hard skills, not necessarily qualifications and what, what someone's done before. But if we just um, spend a moment to talk about like, knowledge-based recruitment, recruiting on experience, what, what, what does that mean and how does it tend to differentiate in, in your view from, from skills-based recruitment? So a, a very obvious example would be um, company A, you're in a market and within that, in, you know, within that market, there's, you know, company B, C, D and E that do, that do a similar thing. Yeah. Um, and you're recruiting for a salesperson to cover a particular region um, and you get a CV of a salesperson that has worked for one of those competitor businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That is then looking at knowledge-based recruitment. They've worked in the market. They've worked in a similar product range. They've worked with a similar customer base. They've got experience in doing it. Therefore, mm. they're a good fit for the job. Yeah. Yeah. What, what in, in, in your mind, are some of the um, pros and the cons to knowledge-based slash experience recruitment? I think if you're not careful, there's lots of assumptions that could be made. Yeah. No. So that person has been there for two or three years. You might assume that they're going to be therefore successful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and um, therefore, you can actually skip essential parts of a recruitment process and cut some corners and not identify that actually maybe there are elements to that person's job which they're not going to get moving forwards they might get certain support they might be required to do it in a slightly different way in the organization um so there's lots of positives clearly hiring somebody from a competitor can bring huge value to an organization yeah yeah but there are also some potential hiccups yeah definitely because just because someone's been the top performer for um company a they might not be for company b even though they sell the same product or service because that company's culture is inherently different but how many times have you seen it whereby someone that has taken a sidestep has then ended up not working out because you know perhaps they don't want to um do the same type of job that they've done before or they've got preconceived ideas happens loads doesn't it it certainly does um you know an obvious example is we look at um British American Tobacco is a classic example, yeah. and they very much follow a skills-based recruitment process, and they will do a a role play with a candidate where they're role playing a customer meeting, and they get applications from people from within their industry, they get applications mm-hmm. from other FMCG organisations, and they also get applications from people with little or no experience that are also considered Mm. and when people get through to that role play stage you get people in the industry that absolutely smash the role play 100 percent. but you also get people that flump and and it's important that you assess that because if you didn't Mm. you are fundamentally hiring somebody that doesn't have the skills to work in the way in which you want them to work 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the key, isn't it? Having the right skills and the right behaviours. Um, you know, and the definite benefits from recruitment from the industry sector. But for me as well, on the on this possibly con side of it, if we think at the moment, a lot of companies are struggling to recruit because of the size of the available talent pool. And then it's definitely a talent pool shrinkage issue if you're just looking in one particular part of the market. Um, and you know what we what we've seen definitely is the the, the retention of individuals when you recruit them from company A into company B can sometimes be less. I was I was um I was listening to a podcast this this morning and um the um person on it was talking about the fact that globally the total amount um that companies are, are are paying out or costing companies in rehiring so people that have gone in and not done well um or left amounts to three trillion now when you think yeah when you think about the the large um the largest portion of the recruitment market is temporary recruitment and you think about on average people say or research suggests that a bad hire can cost five to 27 times their salary. It's, you start getting towards that figure where we see with skills-based recruitment, and we're going to come on to this in a bit, retention rates are higher, attrition rates are lower, succession planning is better as well because you bring in someone in who's got the right skills and behaviours and fits with the values of your organisation opposed to yeah, they've sold that to them so they can do a good job for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the retention's a key part of that because you know, I often look at we've we've definitely spoken about this before. When you when we're talking to a client, I look at the job that they want somebody to do, the the, the type of business they are, the market, the products that they operate within, and the package that they're looking to offer. And you've got to match that against the candidate. Yeah. You know, what have they done before? What type of environments have they worked in? What markets have they worked in? What packages have they been on? What are their motivations for leaving? And they've got a match. And yeah. fundamentally, if those things don't add benefit to the candidate and benefit to the organisation, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And clearly, everybody wants a candidate that's taking the job for the right reasons. Every employer wants yeah. a candidate, a candidate that's going to stay and hopefully progress with the organisation. Um, and getting the right skills that can add value, but also identifying what skills need to be developed and learn over time massively helps with retention within their job and within the organisation as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and and those sort of four key criteria that you've just mentioned, usually someone moving from one company to another that does the same, the, the main driver is salary. Yeah. And most candidates that certainly we're engaging with at the moment at the experience end of the market are looking for 10 to 20 10 to 20 percent to move so it also makes it more expensive as well so there's a cost for a business caveat to this as well of um going down the route of you know knowledge experience based recruitment i think but phil what's your take on then why skills-based recruitment is becoming more popular overall and i guess you know where where are you seeing it impacts companies positively that recruit for sales vacancies i i think one of the big drivers for it if i'm frank was covid yeah. you know coming back out of covid clearly it affected lots of people in lots of ways but then there was a huge recruitment boom that's no secret that was a a massive thing in the uk a massive thing across the globe um there was a huge talent shortage and 
lots of companies were looking to expand and grow. Um, and there were shifts, talent shifts, where people were leaving certain industries and going to others. Um, and then it left holes. Mm. So companies were having to think outside the box by themselves with the help of recruitment business uh, businesses that are experts in their markets or fields. They're having to think outside the box to see, right, what else can we do? So mm. part of it was forced. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is definitely when businesses are looking at EDI and they're looking at, right, what do we have as an organization and, and how do we try and move in a positive direction for the right reasons? If you're not careful, doing very much knowledge and experience based recruitment 100 percent limits your pool in, in that sense yeah. as well. So there's a kind of two pronged attack that I can see that's happening in the market. Some of it forced, some of it, you know, positive steps being taken yeah, um, to fundamentally try and broaden the talent pool. And it's 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 no secret that a, a broad talent pool in an organization is a, a very healthy and very positive thing for everybody. Yeah, definitely. You just touched on um, equality, diversity and inclusion Yeah, it has a massive benefit to that. Hundred percent. And how much do you think that um, rising salaries have um, impacted companies thinking going down this route as well? Because it's you know, it's it's become more expensive to hire a salesperson. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, and that's another thing that's definitely driving it. Though you know, coming out of the COVID boom, um, salaries were were ridiculous. Mm. Um, and people were getting huge pay rises uh, and companies just simply couldn't afford it. You've now got inflation, which is adding further issues and companies are sitting there thinking, right, well, okay, in some areas, the market has slowed down. You've got wage inflation. Um, it's it's a completely different problem to the ones that that they faced 18 months ago, but it's it's still a very real problem. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a driving factor. Yeah, 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 100%. I don't want to go into too many benefits of why skills-based recruitment is 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 great, because we're going to talk about that um, shortly. But the only thing I'd add on to that as well, I think um, if, if you look at the broad spectrum of companies that we work with and we um, work on vacancies for, there's, there's a real appetite for businesses um, to recruit out and out hunters. Now, as businesses yeah. look to drive um, more more top of sales funnel pipeline and close more business. Um, and in tandem to that, there's, there's, there's a real shortage of experienced candidates willing to do those types of jobs. And often if you consider a new business sales role, the core behaviors and drivers and motivations that you need to be successful on a job like that, you can't always see from a CV. No. It's very hard to look at it, a CV of someone of a new business salesperson and say, right, you've done a great job for them, but you can come and do a good job for us. And where I've certainly seen success with clients I've worked with and also recruiting for BMS is recruiting people who have got the right drivers, motivations and desire can often be a better fit for those specific roles. So I think companies are definitely cutting on to that and are starting to open up in terms of what to look at. You know, we're placing lots of graduates now into internal new business roles um, and more companies are actually going down that route where ordinarily they might have recruit, tried to recruit an experienced new business hunter 
and that's just a really really hard person to find these days as well yeah. and and actually you know field sales and office-based sales emerging off the yeah. back of covid because yeah. very few field reps are in the field five days a week now um very few office-based salespeople are office-based five days a week now yeah um zoom meetings teams meetings they're a real thing yeah and so actually their skills which is clearly what we're talking about today are merging and mm. so it opens up the opportunity to recruit from the other pool as well yeah yeah so that goes down the route um Phil, I think of looking at what does a traditional field sales role look like now. And we had um, a client that we spoke to only earlier this week, um, myself and a colleague, and they wanted someone that had got three years territory management experience. And what does that even mean now? And they wanted to see that, you know, on a CV, most people don't spend four or five days a week out, out in the field. So, and again, that's that's exactly. Yeah, and, and that, yeah. That, that narrows the talent pool down again. Yeah, and and of course, previously, office-based salespeople, you could argue on the flip side, wouldn't have been self-sufficient, wouldn't have been working. You know, there's often a lot of concerns with their level of motivation and what are they going to, you know, do when they're given so much autonomy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they've got that two, three days a week, in some instances, five days a week now already. Yeah, and office-based salespeople now go on a hell of a lot more face-to-face -face meetings than they would have done previously. Yeah. You know, back in the day before COVID, we might have gone on one a week. You know, the people that work for BMS are generally on face-to-face -face meetings every single day. Yeah. So then that's exactly. a different dynamic again. And so, Phil, for, for the audience that are, that are listening, thinking, right, this sounds interesting. Um, you know, it's piquing my interest in terms of skills-based recruitment, but we don't do that at the moment. We typically always try to find people from our industry set set. Yeah. How does a company shift to the style of style of recruiting? It's definitely a journey. It, it needs to be planned. Um, so you've got to look at a number of things. Mm. Um, so job descriptions from an EDI perspective, how do you write them? What's what language is used? Yeah. You know, that is, is key. Uh, from a skills perspective, identifying at the front end, what do we need? Um, you know, what is essential? What is trainable? What are the can-do withouts? You know, no candidate ticks every single box. I think everybody can accept that. Yeah. So what are the areas that, you know, and deciding upfront, what are we, what are we focusing on? What are the key primary skills? Um, so that's really the, the the starting point and getting buy in from everybody that's involved in the recruitment process, whether that is, you know, an HR director that's looking at a business's policy and recruitment strategy. Yeah. Uh, a, a recruitment manager that's responsible for doing CV screening and initial con conversations, a line manager, you know, a sales director. Everybody has to be bought in yeah. and, and up to speed. Yeah, such good advice. So you mentioned there, I just want to go back to something you said in regards to identifying the skills that someone needs to have. Um, what 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 you're looking for them um, specifically to demonstrate what do they need to do in the role? Like how would you um advise hiring managers 
do that? Like, what do they need to be doing to actually identify those skills? What should they be looking for? It's a really good point. It's breaking down the elements of a job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's looking at the fundamentals of a job. And it, as an example, if you look at sales, you know, you might want to break down sales. And if you look at our graduate assessment center, mm. we break it down into um, relationship building, communication style or skills, yeah. resilience, tenacity, you know, a, a number of others. But it's just very much looking at each of those things and is think and then thinking where could somebody have got those from but yeah. most importantly how are we going to assess those skills and key, isn't it it's yeah. having that interview process um and i do want to talk about this so interview process and and structure in order to um unearth them because if they're not on a cv um specifically then sometimes they might not get picked up but like you've just mentioned then the assessment process what else could companies be, be doing within an interview process to shift to this style of recruiting of course it's um no so a couple of examples that spring to mind might be uh, i mentioned earlier on a, a, a role play yeah you know rather than talking about okay you're at that company you know what deals did you do you know blah 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 let's let's just pretend for a second that you're working for us and you know, this is the scenario. Let's 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 role play a meeting, yeah, yeah. or let me pretend that I was a target customer at your old business. Let's role play a meeting and seeing how they how they do that. Do they have a defined process? Do they have structure? Yeah. Do they build a rapport? Do they do those things? Um, and also, you do then also have to look at okay, they might not have the proven sales experience, but let's give you a scenario. Mm. Let's let you absorb that scenario and give you a little bit of a hint in terms of what we're looking to expect. And if that person can actually then relay the information, yeah, you know, they're proving that overall they've got the, the, the skills to be able to do the job. Yeah. Proving that the coachable one of you, I, I, I firmly believe to be successful in sales, no matter whether you're starting out or whether you're, you know, early in your career, mid-career, late career, there's certain characteristics and skills that you need to have. You need to be, you know, really, really good listener is one. You need to be able to take on feedback, take on coaching, retain information and then apply it, as well as all the other stuff, mm. like drive and enthusiasm and engagement style. So, you know, I really like that. And I also really like um, the idea of interviews being competency-based and situational style questions. Yeah. Um themes regarding emotional intelligence is really important in sales because it's a roller coaster isn't it whether you're in recruitment whether you're in sales or whatever um but you can design an interview and design your questions to draw out all of those competencies that that, that you're looking for can't you yeah absolutely and you you have to refine certain things i remember you know we had a sit down with the uh head of field sales field team brad at, at bat and we were looking at the assessment center and we were looking at actually how do we change certain tasks or how do we change certain competency based questions to ensure that somebody has got the opportunity to relay a relevant skill right, okay. um, and you know managing budgets are relatively important to them and and they were talking about okay well a field salesperson has to be able to 
manage a promotional budget into existing stores and new stores how are you going to break it down how can you you know give an example of you know where you've done that previously and one of the best answers i've ever heard was well, I'd, i've never had to manage a budget in my job but actually what i can do is talk to you about how i can uh, you know how i had to manage a shoestring budget at university that's a great and, example <laughs> yeah and they spoke about okay so you know top level there was my accommodation and my and my fees what were they going to be then it was okay so what did i need to do on a daily basis a weekly basis to make sure that i could travel that i could get around that i could buy what i needed that i could you know you know wash yeah. and eat yeah. and then it was i clearly want a social life so and it was it was a superb answer and the way yeah. it was broken down gave them faith that this person was going to be able to look at something objectively and responsibly and and do it yeah and you'd never have got that from a cv no not to no chance not no all. chance there's no. another example that, that that i want to share as well i was talking to um a colleague earlier today and we work with a company who a, a manufacturer of insulation products and they um their recruitment process is they they work with us obviously but they will give us an interview day and we would fill it with candidates who we know fit their brief in terms of they've got the right skills the right behaviors and some sales experience it doesn't matter what they've sold in order to be a fit for their job because they are a challenger brand in their market so they want people who are going into um, their end users to be really engaging to stand out against you know the bigger players in their industry sector so for them it's all about personality and interestingly a third of their sales team is female through recruiting in this way and in that sector which is a very male dominated sector yeah. it's helped them really um make the workforce more diverse but the the the, the really interesting example i want to share is their uh, one of their top performers who we placed with them was a pe teacher never done sales cracking yeah. communication skills really engaging and really articulate and bright after 18 months he went up went off to set up his own division within the company as wow. well no sales experience at all yeah. but that's a great example of where a business are using a skills-based recruitment process in order to um give themselves an opportunity to have a more diverse workforce but see a great volume of, of talent and unearth people like that that have got Absolutely. the core skills to be successful in sales but never done sales before yeah um regards to a cv because we're talking a lot here about what you can't see on a, a cv which is important but there is going to be some form of screening somewhere isn't there for, for, for companies yeah. if we're looking at a cv how can you look at a cv and say right that person's got the right skills so we need to see them even though they've sold something totally different and that that is difficult it's yeah. a, about being open-minded and trying to remove the unconscious bias at the front end yeah and that's a very difficult thing to do and the, mm. the first thing you've got to do is look at what are we doing right now and and accepting the fact that what you're doing is not perfect and you need to you know make mistakes and like i said it's a journey right yeah um it comes from actually how you're writing your job description because a lot of people will try and amend a CV to yeah. a job description. And that's just fact, isn't it? 
yeah just, and, we can't get away from it that's what it is and yeah and, yeah. and, and look that's a good thing right yeah you know, people need to take care in their application they need to try and make sure that they're relaying their best skills and giving themselves the best opportunity to to, to highlight those and if it's not evident from a job description or from an advert what those skills are then it removes the ability to to do it then on the company side as well when you're sitting there looking at a cvp teacher classic example you know is thinking right okay what skills could they have mm. well they've definitely got the ability to hold a room and engage an audience yeah yeah you could argue you know maybe um a little bit um assumptive but you could argue that sporty character resilience yeah. tenacity drive yeah you know there's a number of things that you can look at to think yes this is going to you know be worth speaking to and then once once you're then engaging with that person it's about trying to push those skills further to yeah. ascertain is there enough to progress them through the the application process because you can't interview everybody no, you can't, but at the same time, you also have to accept there is going to be wastage, so you can't be too tight on, on the CV, which is what this is about. They've got some of the skills, and you can see some of the skills coming through, and there's something that you like on, on the CV. Maybe it is something like a sporting background. Um, maybe they have done something interesting outside of work that shows dedication, determination, whatever it is. It's looking for for, for, for those sorts of things, uh, I would say. I also think there's a caveat with this because it doesn't mean that if you shift to um, skills-based recruitment, the recruitment process has to be any longer. But um, people do also need to be aware that like the investment into personality profile and assessments as well can also really help with this style of, of recruitment. So could be slightly more expensive to assess the actual candidate, but it doesn't mean the, the process has to go on any longer. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's important in this market that it doesn't because clearly we're still in a very challenging market to recruit. Mm. Um, expectations have not lowered. You know, no. you could argue they should when the when the market dipped slightly, but ultimately inflation has, you know, taken care of that. And so there's still a lot of there's still a lot of employment opportunities in the UK. And so you can't extend a recruitment process. It's about changing it and making it fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, and ensuring that you can be as efficient as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Concur totally. And um, to, to, to wrap up with Phil, um, I, I want to finish finish off, and it is quite a a, a big a big section. Um, well, how can a skills based recruitment expand a talent pool like overall, and also? And I think this is key, improve the effectiveness of other companies' recruitment strategy. So it's a multi-pronged question, but I think it'd be a really good one to, to, to finish off on um, just to bottom line the, the, the episode, really. Yeah. So I think the front end, how, how can it expand the talent pool? Well, ultimately, you are opening avenues that you weren't exploring previously. Yeah. So we spoke that spoken about a P teacher, you know, um, a really interesting example that I, I heard from the LinkedIn Ford event was um, in America, 
the hospitality market, which is clearly a very strong one in the US economy and, you know, is a big employment opportunities there, mm. um, especially with the tips they receive. Right. <laughs> um, that was in a hole. Um, right. On the at the same time, you know, there was um, head office roles or call center roles that were either based in an office or that were based um, at home. Um, and inside sales roles, and those organizations couldn't find the people. And there was actually a big pull of people out of hospitality into that right. area. Yeah. They were willing to work the hours. They were, you know, they had good personalities. They had good customer service, listening skills, questioning skills, so on and so on. Quite a lot of them had upsell targets and cross-sell targets and so on and so on. You know, why haven't they ordered their second round of drinks and so yeah. on and so on. And they open up a massive talent pool. So I think what it can do is just get you looking at other people in other ways. And actually, yeah, yeah. it's very common for the punt to be the be the superstar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, companies yeah. are often reluctant to go into that again. Yeah. You know, I think the second side is it's just being willing to trust your process and putting together a process that is fit for purpose. So it does take time. It's a journey. It's, it's planning. Um, another example, if you look at um, Kroner Eye that we've done a load of work for, um, mm. David Sturridge, who's the you know the the the, the lead sales there, um, he's so invested in the assessment process that nobody looks at a CV at all. No. Okay, they've got a series of exercises that they take people through that assesses everything that they think is suitable for the job right. yeah and at the end of that have they got through it yes or no do we think they hit the grades yes or no if the answer is yes we're going to offer you a job you know that's clearly the holy grail yeah yeah, uh, yeah. it works for them it's not going to be possible for everybody to have a one-stop you know assessment process in some industries it doesn't work it's not practical um but having that skills-based assessments mentality and adapting your process to give you the outcomes that you want is you know where companies need to get to yeah 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 i think a big one real real big one is um reduction in times of hire like massively because if you've got access to a larger pool of talent and a wider cross-section of, of talent of individuals that have got the skills and behaviors to come in and do the job and you can access that talent quicker because it's bigger, then you're going to be able to recruit for your roles faster. Everyone Absolutely. knows that a sales vacancy costs a business money. So if you adopt this strategy, then you're going to reduce your time to hire, reduce the length of the recruitment process by default, save money. And also what you, what you tend to find is that if you recruit in some of the right skills and behaviors, they, can sometimes come in and hit the ground running quicker anyway um i was doing some 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 research I had this podcast myself and and corn ferry um estimate that in 2030 85 million vacancies across the world will go unfilled due to talent shortages and skills and and, and the talent shortages are due to a lack of, of skills perceived skills now that doesn't mean that the talent in the talent pool doesn't have the skills 
this is generally because, or it's perceived to be because of outdated recruitment processes. By sticking with you know, a knowledge experience-based recruitment strategy, recruitment process, we're actually contributing to oh, the hugely. global skill shortage. Hugely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was reading an article yesterday about um, AI and prompt engineers yeah. and how prompt engineers are going to be the next big thing. No one, very few people have been a prompt engineer before. Yeah. So when something is so new, how do you identify or how, how do you recruit somebody? You either look for a needle in the haystack yeah. and you keep on looking and keep on looking and keep on looking whilst everybody else is moving forward and you're standing still. Or you actually think, well, what's required to be a prompt engineer? Yeah. What do we actually really need? Where could they have got those skills from? And let's go out there and get them. And I, look, I accept everybody wants to interview a certain number of people in their, you know, in their own mind until they feel comfortable making a decision. Yeah. Now, sometimes companies have to go beyond that because they just don't have the volume. But actually looking at skills enables you to have that volume quicker. Yeah. Have a look at you know, what's out there, make an informed decision, particularly if you use the skills-based interview process, assessment process, to then actually judge what are you getting at the back end of it. Yeah, and I think, Phil, that is a great way to wrap up the podcast. So thank you very, very much for, for coming on and joining us. It's been a, been a pleasure to have you on to finish off season one with. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So thank you to everyone that has tuned in and joined us on Spotify, Apple, or has watched on YouTube for this first season of the Recruitment Roundup podcast. We will be back for season two on the 14th of June, and we look forward to everyone joining us again. So that wraps up another episode of the Recruitment Roundup podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the show to watching the show um, we really appreciate your support it would be absolutely fantastic um, if you could give us a rating on Apple on Spotify give us a review um, any feedback really really helps and is massively appreciated so thank you once again for joining us and we will hopefully see you again next week